Welcome to Rewind Design, a podcast dedicated to discovering the stories of Cottage Country in Ontario. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you're a new listener, my name is Katie McNabb and I'm a local interior designer who is on a mission to find stories of how the heck everyone and everything ended up here in cottage country. Every two weeks, I speak to a new guest about their journey to cottage living. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at rewinddesign.interiors or you can send me an email to katie at rewinddesign.ca to share your own story or become a part of my email list. Welcome to Rewind Design, a cottage history podcast with your host and local interior designer, me, Katie McNabb. Today, we'll be putting the spotlight on a historical Dorset cottage. Join me as I navigate the waters and chat to my guests about their unique Dorset cottage and their family history over the last 100 years. To start off this captivating story, I thought I'd give a short little personal anecdote. I'm lucky enough to work with an incredible design firm, and each day I come to work, I sit next to a designer named Danielle. Months ago, we were talking, and I brought up the idea for this cottage history podcast. Her eyes lit up, and in a flash, she said, You have to speak to my mom. Excitedly, I typed out an email to her mom, Diane, explaining my ideas and how I'd love to interview her. I anxiously clicked send and closed my laptop. A few days later, she replied with an email, and what followed was an incredible cottage history story. Diane's cottage is located in Dorset, on Lake of Bays, in a narrow channel aptly called the Narrows. The following information is from the History of Dorset website, written by Leah Caporal. Dorset is a small community located on the boundary between the Algonquin Highland Township in Halliburton County and Lake of Bays Municipality in Muskoka District. In simpler terms, Dorset is located due east of Huntsville, due north of Muskoka on Highway 11. Dorset was originally called Cedar Narrows. However, the name was replaced by some of the settlers that hailed from Dorset, England, which I've in fact been to. When European settlers began emigrating into the area in the early 1800s, Dorset became known as Trading Bay for Francis Harvey's trading post that appeared along the Narrows. No one knows exactly who the first settlers were, but 1675 has been carved into a rock marking the year some brave soul made the trip. This beautiful land is in fact indigenous land and is well known for the various indigenous bands that traded furs and fished and hunted for survival. Before the European explorers, surveyors, lumbermen, and developers of Lake of Bays, this was their home and their heritage on the lake contributes heavily to the identity. From the Ontario Heritage Trust website. A water-based people, the Anishinaabeg, the original people of this region, were a hunter-gatherer society that often traveled here to the Narrows at Trading Bay. The area that is now Dorset was a special spiritual place abundant in natural resources. For thousands of years, the Anishinaabeg set up small camps here, harvesting maple syrup and birch bark, fishing and trading in the spring and summer, and hunting and trapping during the fall and winter. Eventually, the Anishinaabeg realized that their hunting and harvesting rights and territory had been lost through a series of treaties. But they continued to travel to the region to work as fishing and hunting guides and traded with seasonal tourists and cottagers. 
Diane's cottage property faces northwest with an uninterrupted view of a wooded ridge lot on mainland across the narrow channel. The lush and wooded property feels especially private as you drive in through the U-shaped driveway to reach the cottage just off the road. There have been many debates when entering which is the front door and which is the back. Diane and I agree that the front door is the door facing the driveway, whereas some guests are determined the front door is the lake-facing door. We are not convinced. The property was bought by Diane's grandfather, who was in the lumber business in Dorset. Her father subsequently bought the lot from her grandfather when he returned from the war for $100. It wasn't until he physically walked the property that he discovered there was already a cabin on it. The cabin belonged to one of the old lumber camps that the family still uses today as a sleeping bunkie. It's about 130 years old. The current cottage was built in addition to the sleeping cabin in 1958, and the new room, Diane still calls it that, was added in 1975. Diane's dad was in the lumber business, so the cottage is all wood interior. Cedar walls and ceiling, brilliant red pine floors. Most of the furniture is hand-me-downs, and whenever they acquire something new at home, the old item goes to the cottage. Diane has a lot of old dishes that came from gas stations, which she would now consider antiques. My name's Diane. I've been coming here since before I was born. Um, I live in Aurora. I have three children, growing children and two grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And um, I love coming up here because a lot of people don't have the ability to go to their childhood home. It is a special place to come, a place you've been going to your whole life and now my children have been coming here their whole lives and their children. Yeah. We're actually five generations here. And my brother is joining us today as well. He's my older brother. <laughs> and I, I, I emphasize that because I was asked once that someone said, oh, David's your younger brother. And I'm oh, like, no, he's no, not. I'm, I'm <laughs> the baby. <laughs> and so. so how many siblings are there? There's three of us. Um, Doug is the oldest. He couldn't be here today. And and then David is two years younger than Doug. And then I came along four years later. So you live in Aurora. And what about the other two? I live in Dorset. You live in Dorset. So you're the local. <laughs> yeah. How wonderful. Well, it's great you're here then. And your other brother? He lives in Oakville. Oakville. Oh, wow. So you're spread out. You're mm -hmm. across the board. But we're still very close because his cottage is just down the road. Okay. He, he inherited my grandfather's cottage. Oh. And he tried to save it, but it was rotting. And yeah, I won't be offended. Well, they, they looked at um, putting an addition on and renovating it, and they discovered it would cost more to try to save it than to tear it down and start fresh. Yeah. So they tore it down, and they've built a beautiful home. Mm -hmm. And it's traditional looking. It, it It's wood, and it looks like it's been here forever. And We're on the, what is it, the Trading Bay Narrows? Is that... How you describe it? I just call it the Narrows. We're about two miles out of Dorset. So really, it's the Highway 401 in the summertime. Right. <laughs> it is now. It never used to be. No. We, um, we used to get to watch the Big One Ferry go by all the time. Yeah. We still do. Yep. How often does that go through? Well, they've, they've fixed up the Big One Ferry, so they run tours mm -hmm. on it all summer. So a couple times a day, it, it goes out. It just goes out into the Big Bay turns around and comes back. We're very lucky where we are. We have a beautiful lot because 
just the way it comes down and flattens out. Yeah. Where one of the only places has tons of parking. There's like how many cars? There are like four cars. Yeah. And then it's not too steep. Yeah. To get down to the lake. So yes. it, it is beautiful. When you drive in, we're right next to the Hydro Cut. We used to own that property. It was expropriated from us in 1962. Okay. I was only one, so I didn't have a yeah. say in it. And we've leased it back ever since. And the lease has gone from a dollar a year on demand to $600 a year, plus I pay the taxes on the property. So, but that's over the last 60, 60 years. Inflation plus more. So, yeah. yeah, And they actually allowed me to put an invisible fence on it so the dog can run and play on it. So, so we're right next to the hydro lines. And then you come down the little hill into our driveway. We have a nice circular driveway. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we have, we're very lucky that we have a big flat area for parking cars. It's big enough to put up a few tents which we have. It's also big enough to put up a badminton court or a volleyball oh, court. Yeah, that's so nice. So we used to have giant bonfires in the backyard, but I had my drainage redone a few years ago, and I have weepers underneath there, so no more fires right. out there. I don't know when anyone melt yeah, <laughs> my drainage system. <laughs> <laughs> the cottage itself, like I said, it was built in 1957. My dad and some of his friends and his brother helped build it. Dave, you can pitch in here you mm. you were probably actually alive when it was built <laughs> well, well i wouldn't remember much <laughs> it was built the same year i was born mm-hmm. wow. so the cottage is 65 years old mm-hmm. oh now i know how old you are great yeah it was a prefab meaning it came and the walls were kind of constructed right and you just kind of put it together and it was a box yeah and as I understand it, this wall went in later, but it didn't go all the way up to the top at first. It just sort of divided off. That's a really common thing yeah. I've yeah. noticed in this kind of era of cottages mm-hmm. is they had these partition walls mm-hmm. that didn't go to the ceiling. So there was like zero privacy, privacy, but it was just visual privacy. Like you could go in and change. Yeah. But if anyone was doing anything in any room, you would know. Yeah. Yeah. So since then, and I don't remember that. I think Doug remembers that. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, I don't remember that. The doors just used to be like uh, sliding plastic doors. Oh, I I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the real feature of this house that is original are the parlor curtains. Oh. Yeah. Danielle, you want to show her? I remember those curtains. We used to wrap ourselves up in them. Yeah. Rowels. Oh so my gosh. these are old velvet parlor curtains, and I have no idea where they came from. <laughs> They're black velvet on one side and maroon on the other. And so they would have come from a parlor. A parlor. So probably some member of the family was getting rid of them, and they brought them up here, and that's been to block off. Yeah the back the bedroom side and as kids when we were little we'd wrap ourselves up in them and poke our heads through and turn around and And now Danielle does it and my grandkids do it but they're starting to rot so it's like don't wrap yourself up in the curtains they're gonna rip them to shreds oh that's awesome yeah and then we had the plastic folding doors and the bedrooms are very very small Mm -hmm. they were built just big enough to put a bed in oh yeah a bed and a night table because all yeah. you did in there was sleep and change your clothes yeah and that's like another thing with again this era of cottages is that the room the actual bedrooms were very small 
very small windows. Mm-hmm. They were just used for sleeping. Whereas now when people build cottages, uh, it's like you try to really capture the view in the bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're more more than just sleeping. But, at you know, at the point this was built, the bedroom was just for sleeping. Like, yeah. like oh, we don't need windows in there. We're just going to For the sleep. most part, the cottage was just a building to get in out of the, the weather. Rain. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And actually, most of your time outside. When they first bought the property, they discovered the cabin was already on it. Oh, yeah. That belonged because this was all logging. Mm-hmm. So that cabin, they, they told us it was the cook's cabin. Now, I don't know how they knew that. Yeah. But the cabin was built as part of the lumber camp. Right. And you said when your your grandfather bought the property, he didn't know there was a cabin on it. Yeah. Yeah. So my parents... because. If you, if you, when you look at the other side of the road and you look across, it's really densely wooded. And so this lot was very densely wooded as well. Mm-hmm. And they hired the guy down the road, not Bathurst. Watson. Watson. Sam Watson. Sam Watson to come in with his bulldozer. Mm-hmm. And he bulldozed out the trees. And there's a picture somewhere of you sitting on. That was Doug. Was that Doug? Sitting that on the Doug. bulldozer. Yeah. <laughs> and there was huge, big trees here. Right. And, and you know, they cleared out a spot, but they didn't do that right away because they used the cabin as the cottage for the first few years. Right. They had just a bed in it and they had like a, a basin with water and that was it. And, and, and it wasn't until... the stove. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until, I guess, Doug and Dave were born that they decided to build a bigger place. And what year again was it that they that they bought this property? My dad bought it when he got back from the war. So when did he came back in 45, but yeah, it would have been 46 or 47. Seven. He actually bought the place. He bought the that plate. your dad bought it off of your grandfather. grandfather. My grandfather bought four lots. Mm-hmm. That one, this one, the one beside it and his, and he sold this one to my father and the one next to it, he sold to my father's friend. Who okay. happened to be our uncle. Yeah. Who married. And then. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But this, <laughs> oh, my gosh. They met. Actually, they met after the war because dad was taking a bus and, and he didn't meet Ed on the bus. He met this guy named Ted Knight on the bus. And Ted Knight and Ed were friends for since they were in kindergarten. Oh, my gosh. So Ted introduced dad to Ed and they became best buddies. And Ed was dating this woman named Norma. And they were going out some somewhere, and Dad's girlfriend couldn't go, so he blind date with Norma's sister, my mother. Oh my <laughs> God, that's so, so amazing. So, and Dad and Ed were were fast friends their whole lives. Yeah, they were thick as thieves and got into all kinds of trouble together. How did he acquire this property? Like, how did he end up in Dorset? Like, where was your grandfather? My from? grandfather used to come up here. He was in the lumber business as well. Yeah. So he came up here to logging camps to buy lumber for the mills and that. He was originally from Lynn, Ontario. Okay. He was he was born there and he lived on a farm and he never liked farming. So he told us when he was 14 years old, he left home. He was born in 1898. He left home and he went to Toronto and he was a taxi driver. But the police decided that he was going to drive a taxi, he should probably get a driver's license. So instead of doing that, I think he said he had like $5, and he went to the train station and said, how far will this get me? 
And the guy said, it'll get you somewhere in Saskatchewan, I think. Yeah. So he took the train to Saskatchewan, got off the train and tried to get a job as a farmhand. He said he had a hard time because he was dressed like a city boy. So he finally got someone to give him a job. He convinced them that he'd grown up on a farm. He farmed out there for a while. Now, I don't, I remember him telling me that, but I don't know how he ended up back here. I don't know either. Sometimes I, you just don't know. But he ended yeah. up coming back and working in I, the lumber business. I just know that when my grandfather started telling stories, all of us kids were hustled out of the room. Well, it's not that it could go on forever. I think his stories were colorful. Okay. So not for or PG. Yeah. yeah. Right. So he ended up back here and in the lumber business and he settled in Mimico. And I don't know how he met grandma because grandma is from Lafroy because her dad owned the general store in Lafroy. Where is Lafroy? It's it's opposite Churchill. It's it's Lake Simcoe. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. yeah. So I don't know how they met or how they ended up, but people's stories of like the interweaving everything. Yeah. It's just so interesting, like how and it's so full of serendipity mm-hmm. how people's lives cross to create more lives and generations. Mm-hmm. It's just so crazy. So anyway, back to this place. Mm-hmm. So they decided to build a bigger place, and they built the, the original box, and um, that served us. And I can't believe how well we survived because they'd have we'd have our cousins up, and we'd have families up here with their kids, and it was just a tiny little place. And I don't know where we slept. Yeah, and like to be honest, it looks in wonderful condition. Like all the pine and cedar and everything is. Don't look too close. Still so intact. No, but yeah. like some, you know what I mean? Like some places don't look like this. I don't think there's actually a straight wall in the place. I'm sure yeah. everything's a little crooked. Oh, yes. And uh, I mean, we have these big chains just to keep the walls together, to keep the ceiling from falling in on our heads. So did that's you, a decorative feature. Did you, did you, I don't know if Danielle said this, but did you have to do something with the chains? We have to tighten them. You have to tighten them. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought she told yeah, me. Yeah, because Dave will tell you about how it was built and how the walls really aren't strong enough. Yeah. So maybe maybe if you could talk yeah, talk about how the place was built, like who built it. I know you said it was... My dad and his friends hit. and a bunch of beers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds and there awesome. really wasn't a building code yeah. then that oh, you have no, to follow. No, no, it no. was like, let's build a place here. Yeah. So there was no foundation per se. They just threw down some cement blocks and built the box on top of the blocks. Yeah. And yeah. that every every spring when the frost frost went out, my dad would go under and jack it up and let it down. And so I'd love a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember once. I think it was when we got the phone. The technician came and he had to run the wire under and he's under the cottage and he's like, my goodness, there's a couple cement blocks, a piece of wood, a stone, another piece of wood. And <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh man, that's so great. So that was done like that. And then there was no bathroom in it. There was a little sink in there and that was more of a storage, that little mm-hmm. bathroom. Okay. And I, I was the first person to use the toilet. My dad put a toilet in. I was about four or five years old, and it was one of those step-on toilets. And our septic system was a barrel just outside the oh door. That's so great. That sort of bled into a sand area. No, there was an old steel septic tank there. Yeah. 
there was a weeper that ran off the end of it. What were you going to say about how, how the walls stay together? Well, these, uh, there was this one, and that one are the original tie stringers. Okay. But over the years with the snow loads, the nails had started to pull out, and you could see the walls separating. You could see, like, there was, what, an inch, inch and a half gap on each side. So the walls were doing this. Right. And I was here one year, and it was very cold, and I got up in the morning and I heard this horrendous noise, and I looked, and there was like an extra half-inch gap by the back door. Oh, no. So that's when we decided, okay, we need to... Yeah. So just just for people listening, we're sitting in the main cottage now, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's a square, and... Basically, there's these chains that run from one wall on the ceiling to the other wall, and they have they keep the walls together. Together, yeah. yeah. And then in the spring, when when all the frost goes out, you you pull on them to see how loose they are, and the, there's a spot at the end. If they're loose, you tighten them up. Yeah. You just crank them back up, crank your walls back in. Sounds perfect. So, and my mother asked me, how long do we have to keep those chains there? Like, as long as we want the <laughs> I said, as long as we want the ceiling on yeah. over our heads. So, probably forever. So, and then I remember when we put the bathroom in, my dad went and he bought a countertop to put in and discovered the bathroom was too small for the countertop. And he didn't want to cut the countertop because it had a nice finish on it. Okay. So, he actually moved the bedroom wall, the whole wall, in about four inches to, to make, make to, to make the bedroom even smaller to make room so there's a counter in there. This will be the kids' room. We'll just put a bunk yeah. bed. It's all good. We spent our summers up here. Oh, all the time. All the time. As soon as school was out, we came up here, and we were here right from the end of school till Labor Day. We would stay yep. up the whole summer, and Dad would come up on weekends. Yeah, and then he'd come up for his two week vacation, and we knew that it was going to rain every day for those two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, so we did that. And I thought that everybody did that. It wasn't until I was older, old enough to realize that I would talk to people, so where's your cottage? And they're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I thought everybody had one. But back then, people would have cottages because it was, they were inexpensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know probably before your time, like the generation before you, people would... um, come more I think more like on the Muskoka Lakes maybe this was more common but it was to like escape the city to escape uh, Mm -hmm. epidemics like to escape polio it was more for your health to come up here yeah my mom loved it up here because my mom um did not grow up in a city she was born near Smith Falls and her dad worked for the railway so they moved quite a bit they moved from they actually where they lived was Bedford Mills which and it's funny when you look at my mom's history they lived in Bedford Mills it's a ghost town and then they lived in Key Harbor, and it says ghost town on the map. Oh. It's like, what happened? You guys move in, everybody else Everyone moved out. <laughs> well, they, they also lived in Port Arthur, which is part of Thunder, Thunder Bay. Bay now. And they lived in Cape Real. And my mom was born in 1930, and I don't think my, my grandfather was working for the railway then. He was trapping. He and Uncle Dan, mom said, yeah. ran trap lines. So they were trapping beaver and muskrat because people still wore fur then. So that's how he was making his living. Of course, when she was 15 years old, they moved to Key Harbor. Right. And how did that how did that happen? Like, I know we're talking about Dorset, but we can talk a little bit about yeah. the Key River as well. So uh, Diane's parents also had a place on 
Key River. So mm-hmm. there's two cottages involved in this story. But- yeah. <laughs> it's because we're spoiled and we still have, we still yeah. have both places to go to. Yeah. No, it's obviously so, so lucky, but it's, I totally relate to you because the feeling you get when you're at your cottage is like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like it's so nostalgic and you never want to be anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. So she loved it up here because it wasn't the city. She, she, I mean, she moved to the city when she was like 16 or 17. She went to comptometer school. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knows what, it's a big adding machine. Okay. And she worked for Loblaws and her sister moved down there and worked for Canada Packers. And so when my dad grew up in the city, so when they married, they stayed in in the city in Etobicoke. So she loved coming up here to get away from the city for the summer. So I guess when you were kids... What was it like being up here? Like, what activities were you up to, and what did you enjoy most? Oh, there was swimming, there was walking, there was used to be a big sandbox underneath where the addition is. Yeah, this was a huge sandbox. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we used to go next door because there's a patch of clay over there, and we'd harvest the clay and come back and make roads and pave the roads. Oh my god! And we played it was like Sim City, but yeah. the original version right. of Sim City <laughs> where we, we where we did. And we would have, we had a little fire pit out front where the garden is. So we had little bonfires every night just so mom could watch us from the kitchen. So we didn't burn ourselves or fall in or anything dumb like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we swam all the time and we would go, we owned 500 feet on the other side of the road. So there's all kinds of forts there. We had forts everywhere and we used to play hide and seek at night. It was great. We get all the kids on the street, play hide and seek. So we never, there were really, we did have a TV here, but I think we only got one channel, and there was no Wi-Fi or VCR. Yeah, <laughs> so we just we played outside. From and to me, I remember as a kid, the summer seemed to last forever. I wish it still yeah. did. <laughs> I was like, wait, it's already like yeah. now. And and Dad made us a little rowboat. The first thing he did, he made this little. We called it the punt. He made he made it for us. First thing we did was sunk it. <laughs> you gotta learn somehow, you know. <laughs> learn lessons. So we'd row that, and we had a, a cedar strip boat with a fifteen horsepower. Well, we couldn't tear around in that. The neighbor's kid it was great. He had a nine point nine. Oh yeah. So we could take that, and it wasn't as busy. So when we were ten, twelve years old, it was. I'd never let my 12-year-old granddaughter now jump yeah. in a boat and take off. But we'd jump in that little yeah. boat and and we'd, we'd go over there and have picnics across because there's no cottages. Yeah. And there was a point we'd go there sometimes and have a picnic. Or if you hike back up that hill, there's a lake at the top of the hill. We call it the Little Lake. We'd hike back there wow. and we'd just be gone all day. Yeah. Played a lot of Monopoly, a lot of Romoli. So we played a lot of cards. We played a lot of games. Clue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Played a lot of Clue. I think I mustard in the library with the candlestick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I remember we had a Jeopardy game. Oh, that would be fun. You know, we like trivia. So we played that. So we played it. Yeah, we played a ton or boggle. We played a ton of games. (laughs) And then we were older. We would play Euchre. 1975, we built the new room. And we still call it the new room. What? 12 to to 14 feet wide and 16 feet long, I think, or something like that. We moved the living room into it. So we have the couch and the fireplace and the TV. Yeah. And we have a beautiful eight-foot sliding door. And I was going to replace it, but there's a story why I didn't. So, yeah. And then once we put the new room on, that's when we put the floor in. 
Because before, when, uh, when it was just okay. the box, it was a linoleum floor. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because the, the, it's pine, I assume? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it belongs with it's, the rest it, of the yeah. cottage. It's seven-inch red pine. And her dad got it in North Bay, right? Oh, I can't. Yes, I think so. Yeah. But it the boards were longer than the trailer. And I remember they were bringing it down. It was starting to weave and come off the trailer. So they had to stop and cut some of the boards. So it's, the boards don't extend as long as they originally. But so, the color is really beautiful. Like yeah. It's got a lot of variation, a lot of knots. Mm-hmm. And if you lift up, there's two braided rugs in the yeah. place. We used to have, like, we have this big one here. And it's a gazillion years old. And someone <laughs> said, why don't we take it outside and shake it? And I'm like, because it's really rotten. And if you t- if you try to pick it up, it's just going to be a big, long coil. Oh, the rug is. Yeah, the yeah. rug is. Oh, okay, okay. The rug is. And, and I'm sure the color of the floor is different underneath. Oh, yeah, it's quite a bit lighter yeah. <laughs> underneath. And the urethane, like, really soaks There the used to be a big rug there as well, but it just got so disgusting, I threw it away. Yeah. And I bought the smaller one. So when I first put the smaller one in, there was a big... A rectangle around it. <laughs> there was a big circle around it yeah. of white wood, yeah. but it's blended right down. Yeah. So I, I keep thinking, should I just get rid of this one and leave the wood? <laughs> so I know my mom commented on the floor because the floor went down in the 70s as well. And she looked at it a while ago and she's like, oh, you need to refinish this floor. And I'm like, no, no, it's got a beautiful patina. <laughs> They're not scratches. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's character. Yeah. Yeah. So the floor went, the floor went down then. But there's no insulation underneath it. So it's another reason we have the carpet down. Because when you're here in the winter, you stick to the floor. It's so cold. These walls behind the cedar, there's a double-sided foil with tar paper in the middle. Yeah. And that's the insulation. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and actually, um, I think under the kitchen, if you open the kitchen cupboard, you can see right outside. Yeah. <laughs> you could. But I stuffed a whole bunch of steel wool in there to keep the mice out. That works. <laughs> that is, that so. definitely works. So thank oh, goodness funny. we have the airtight stove because when mm-hmm. you come up here in the winter, you're freezing, you're freezing, you're freezing. And then all of a sudden it's 90 degrees in the cottage because yeah. you can't control the thermostat. I think when I came here in the winter, you guys, did I come at the same time as you or did I come after? We probably had, I think you I had think the fire maybe going. Maybe Uncle I think Dave you came had, and started yes. it up, So it was a bit warmer. Yeah. You started the fire. I remember yeah. Danielle saying, my uncle, someone, someone. <laughs> Started the fire. It's already warm in here. And I was like, what a, what a wonderful yeah. gentleman. <laughs> Usually it's colder inside than it is outside when you first get yeah. here. We get this place warm, but the, the floor is still cold. Dave had, um, the, you were at the poker run when yeah. Christopher got stuck to the floor. Our cousin slept over and he, and he slept. He put his sleeping bag on the floor. Oh, no. And when he woke up, he was frozen to the floor. His but, sleeping bag was frozen to the floor. Oh, my God. Like the humidity of the yeah. sleeping bag. Yeah. Oh, no. So we don't recommend anybody sleep on the floor in the wintertime. No, we have electric baseboards here. There's one there and there's one in each of the bedrooms. They're expensive though. Yeah, I try not to turn them on because yeah. you can just hear the money rolling out of your bank account. You literally hear it. It's yeah. Like, it's taking your money. So. And there, there used to be an old wood cook stove. Here. In the kitchen. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't know how we never burned the cottage down with it. Yes, it was, it was an old Quebec heater. And they were fairly common. You would order them yeah. out of Eaton's catalog. So everybody had one. And we had it about this far, about four inches from the wall. So it's a wood stove, four inches from a wooden wall. The clearance, like the clearances were supposed to be on that, yeah. probably more. <laughs> so, and we had it there for the longest time. And when it was just a box, that was our heat source. Yeah. 
And, and we use that. And even afterwards, when we put on the new room, we had what, what was called a Franklin fireplace. So it wasn't airtight at all. It was just, it was a wood stove, but it was just open, really. Okay. It had a screen on it, but oh, there was yeah. really okay. no efficiency. So we right. still used the one in the kitchen because it would really get hot and, and generate heat. And, and then even after we stopped using it, we would use it for paper garbage and then just burn it once a week to get rid of all the paper. That makes sense. And I found, and maybe it's just in my mind, but I thought nothing tasted better than bacon and eggs that were cooked on the wood stove. Yeah. And, and, and when it was really cold, you would come in and you, there was an oven on it. So you'd open the oven door and you'd sit and you'd stick your feet in the oven to oh warm them up. <laughs> and so how, when was it that you removed that and put in? We removed oven? that. Well, we didn't remove it right away. We disconnected it because I had, I had taken over, we had taken over ownership of the cottage and we had to get different insurance and they wanted to come and inspect the place. So we looked at no. the, and we said, if they come in, they're going to take one look at this. And they're not going to insure yeah. us. So we quickly took the the pipe down. Right. And we got just like a pizza pan and screwed it on the wall. Oh, as like a barrier. And then, yeah. And then a little piece of wood on the outside. And a little piece of wood on the outside it. and painted it so it looked like it had been. And we said, oh, it's just decoration. And he's like, that's good. <laughs> I definitely hope you're not using that. Yeah. Oh, no. So then it sat there for a few years. And then it just got in the way because we couldn't use it. Yeah. And it really, like, it went. I'm assuming they're big. Yeah, it was probably about four feet. So it took up, the, you see how small the kitchen is. Nice 48-inch range. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice the kitchen one. barely holds one person. Yeah. Well, now there's a dishwasher and a cupboard there. Yeah, so. We have a dishwasher here now. Yes, so That's what happened tree. was a girl I was working with was getting a new kitchen, and she had a maple kitchen. So she said, oh, you can have my old kitchen. So I just took some of the cupboards. Oh, we brought them up. Okay. We bought the dishwasher, and the dishwasher is where the wood stove was. Okay. So we hooked it up, and now we have all that cupboard space. It's still one of the world's tiniest kitchens, but it just seems so much bigger now. But with a beautiful view. With a beautiful view. <laughs> it's one of the original open concepts. You know, yes. everybody has open concept. Well, this is open. Con yeah, it yeah. is open concept. So, I mean, we have the nice kitchen island mm -hmm. that's about a foot and a half wide. <laughs> and actually, the, the, the counter underneath it, if you look in the kitchen, it's an old cabinet. Oh, okay. I'll have to go take a look. And we've just put the counter over top of it. So in the, the cupboards, the original cupboards in the corner, yep. my dad made those. You can see they're the same as the walls. Same handling, yeah. But I found when I brought the maple up here, the maple cabinets just sort of went in and they didn't look too bad. Because the ones over there and the ones underneath, we never had really space for anything anywhere. They have the same warm tones as the yeah. other wood, which is mm -hmm. like... they. They blended mm -hmm. pretty nicely. Like, I wouldn't have thought they were any different. No. So that was our new... Now we're all modern now because we yeah. have a dishwasher. <laughs> and a microwave, I see. And a microwave. Yeah. We're fancy. So, and then the other thing I did, because when my dad put on the new room, mm -hmm. he tied the ceilings together, but he had a separate foundation. Oh. So what was happening from 1975 to 1997 is... They were doing that and, and they were twisting front and back. Yeah. Like one cottage was rolling frontwards into the lake. The other one was going backwards. Yeah. So when I we took over ownership, 
I hired someone and they came and they dug post holes and we put cement beams underneath it. And then we put steel, well, with cement posts and steel beams. Right. And he said to me, I'm going to try to level the cottage, but I might break the windows because it's so... So and I said, I'm not worried about that because the windows are in pretty loose. There's a lot of room around them. Yeah. Oh. So nothing broke. Okay. We managed to get it together. And, and once I was so thrilled, once I got the beams in, I thought I'm going to replace that big four, eight foot door. But I didn't do it right away. And what happened is the beam that's there, it goes down, but it's in the old sandbox. So oh. it still gets cold and heaves. Right. So I tried to dig it up and insulate it, but it still heaves a bit in the winter. So I do not want to put a new door there. So I thought, I it's guess I, I could pull out that cement block and put another one in and you know, go down well, 100 feet. I don't know. And plus in the, in the summer, you probably have it open with the screen anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> the screen door is kind of broke. It's kind of broken. <laughs> There's been so many closed. dogs go through that screen door. Oh, yeah. Uh Dogs and people. (laughs) Oh, no. When it was first spread, when we first built the the deck, the deck, this big deck, which is beautiful. We have a deck that's like 12 feet wide and 24 feet long. So This one's 36. 36 feet long? It's gorgeous in the summer. You hate it in the winter when you're shoveling it, but it's gorgeous in the summer. It's like like another whole room. It doubles your... Yeah. So we have our dining table out there and we have a smoker and a barbecue and lots of seating. And it does face north, but you get some nice afternoon sun. So it's beautiful to sit there. So that went on in 1982. And Dave rebuilt it for me a few years ago because it needed some support. Decks decks need maintenance. So one of the first events we had on it was when Dave got married, we had a brunch. I think we had 55 people on it. Wow. And that was the first time someone went through the screen door because my aunt was carrying a tray of champagne and went right through the screen door. <laughs> I was wondering when the screen yeah. door was going to yeah. oh And then God. after that, many dogs and children and have gone through. And I know it's you've taken time and, and you've, you know, got the tool out. You put the whole screen door back in and you get it all. And then a dog right through it again. For God's sake. <laughs> not again. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, the deck is beautiful. I actually really like what you've done with the chicken wire. <laughs> oh, I did that for safety yes. when the kids were little? No, I love... I, so, our cottage also has a very similar railing to that. Mm-hmm. I think it actually is 36 inches. This one is lower. Yes. This is not to... If we built it now... code this is grandfathered in. Yes, it's grandfathered yes. in. It is not to today's code standards. Mm-hmm. The one... I the deck on the cabin. possible. Yes, but we did this deck... <laughs> Because we incorporated a bench into it. Yeah. So we have a 36-foot bench. It, so. No, it looks great. Because it has no pickets, it allows you to see the view really well. Mm-hmm. But then the chicken wire allows no children to fall through, through. our dogs. Yeah. So what would happen okay. was when when my children were born, I put, I put the chicken wire up. And we always told them there's a, a rule. You do not stand on that deck. And if you're caught, you're in big, big, trouble. big trouble. So nobody stands on it. Even now as adults. Yeah. And what I would do is in the winter with the snow and everything, the first thing I do every spring is come up with a staple gun and make sure the chicken wire was secure. Yeah. And it did catch a few kids, slipped off the seat, were caught in the chicken wire, but they were never left unattended. So <laughs> I know Tyler has suggested I get some chicken wire for the deck at Key Harbor. Might be an yeah. idea. We <laughs> no, have it's actually really, it's, that's such a smart idea. 
It'll yeah. break your fall a little bit. Yeah. Well, I know last year, no, two years, no, last year. Unless we, you go off the end where Marty jumped off that time. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't hurt himself. We were sitting out there last year and I had my wine glass up on the edge and my girlfriend was telling a story and she went like this and my she hit the wine glass and it just flew through the air. A nice crystal wine glass, landed in the bush, didn't break. Wow. So, <laughs> I was able to go down in the brush and pull it back out. <laughs> so the bunkie, mm-hmm. you call it the bunkie? We call it the cabin. The cabin. The cabin yeah. Sorry. So many names for things. The cabin existed. Mm-hmm. It's still existing. Do they know when that was built? They don't. It's well over a hundred years old, yeah. though. When you think when the lumber or companies even when the were here, was bought, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's so crazy. And how far is that from here? It's about three feet on the other side of that. Oh, lot. so I'll go check it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll open it up for you. I haven't seen it yet this spring. I don't know. So I definitely didn't see it when I was here last time. Yeah, you might have talked about it, but so I we have two sets of bunk beds in there. One of them is a double on the bottom, twin on the top, and then the other one is two twins, and a table in there and uh it's where we put extra people oh that's you need but actually when when we do have guests i will say oh don't worry you can have the bedroom i'll sleep in the cabin because the bedroom has one weeny little window and it's like sleeping in an oven where the cabin has windows on both sides and a screen door so you open it up (laughs) I won't. I won't let any of your guests. Well, now they're all going to know. (laughs) (laughs) So this was built with local timbers. And it was funny because um, we had to replace the sill. It rotted. So Dave replaced it for me. And he pulled out one of the original boards. And I redid my bathroom this year at home. And I put the board up on the wall and put hooks on it for towels. In Aurora? In Aurora. Instead of putting up a towel rack. Because my husband and I are lazy and putting your towel on a towel rack is a lot of work when, when you a just put it on a hook. <laughs> so you have more hooks. Yeah. So we have, have the board on the hook and it's a cool old weathered board. It's that. neat. Some, some history in your yeah. house too. So it's, I'll show you, it's all lined with wood as well. My dad put that wood in and he put some carpet on the floor in there, but it does have a, a bit of a musty smell. I kind of love that, though. Because it is well over 100 years old. And, and I know as a kid sleeping out there, sometimes you'd get squirrels or chipmunks inside. You could hear them running in the wall. So I'm sure there's been yeah. some fatalities in the wall. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure there's lots of things going on in there. Yeah. yeah. But it's a cool old, and I think there's maybe one or two outlets in there. So it, we thought, we keep thinking, because to get into the cabin, you have to walk around. The far side and up the stairs. Mm -hmm. So everyone keeps saying you should build a bridge from the deck because it's only like two or three feet from that deck to this deck. And then it would seem a lot closer because I know one year Danielle was sleeping out there. And because I'm a wonderful mother, (laughs) I, I called her and I said, oh, you have to come back to the cottage for something. And then I hid at the corner and it was nice and dark. So she came around the corner and jumped out at her. Oh, traumatized her for life. <laughs> traumatized. Like every time she goes around that. that corner, now she's like. <laughs> well, now we always have a light with me now. Yeah. Oh, well, God. we put a solar light there now, so it's motion sensitive light, so nobody can jump out and scare you anymore. <laughs> but it comes in handy, and I tell people when they when they come up here, you know, don't bring anyone you you don't want to sleep in the same room with because we stack people here. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. 
Yeah, like at our cottage too, you never have your own room. Yeah, so it's like that thing sleeps five, so five people just go in there and sleep. <laughs> yeah, or you become fast friends. Yep. Or fast enemies, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. One or the other. What do you love most about being here? Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. The relaxing atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, during the week, I, I just love coming here because it's quieter. And it's beautiful. Yeah, we're here on a Monday. Yeah. And it's very calm. It is raining. It so is raining. Less, yeah. Less, less action. But during the week, it's it's beautiful. I can sit and I and I do work from here. I do get great Wi-Fi. So on a warm summer's day, I can work. And then at the end of the day, I just go down for a swim. Yeah. Or I can get in a kayak and go for a paddle. So I've had a home office for 30 years. And it's just been the last few years I've been able to work up here because before... You didn't have the Wi-Fi. You didn't yeah. have the hot spots. So. You didn't have the right connection. I, I live up here, and now it gets so busy on weekends, I go over to Key Harbor. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the neighbor had the 9.9, .9 and the people next to us, when, when they were young, the Russ, they, they, had, uh, they did skiing over there, trick skis and everything. So we, have, we got a disc from over there, and a disc is just a piece of plywood. It's a three-foot circle. And you would, oh, and you go behind the we, boat. We yeah. would go behind the boat and stand on the and disc. Kind of. Well, we'd stand on it. It was round. It's round. It's still in the shed. I pulled it out last year to see if I could still get up yeah. on it. Did you try? I did. did I still up? managed to get up. Oh my god! I couldn't crazy. spin around. When we were kids, we would get up and you'd spin it. So you'd let go with one hand and put the rope behind you and and do circles. And would you be going? Not too fast? No, very slow. Yeah. Just up on plane. Right. Because we'd use the 9.9 .9 for that, just to get it up yeah. on plane. And then we'd go out with a chair and have one person sit on the chair and have a second person. And we'd, do, we'd go back and forth doing this, <laughs> you know, and the neighbors would be on their dock oh watching the show. I just think that's so funny because nowadays, yeah. like, you don't let your kids, like, do anything. <laughs> so, so like, parents back then were like, oh, yeah, we'll just let our kids go out on this circular disc behind the boat. A piece of plywood that yeah. won't fly up and hit them in the head when yeah. they fall off. Because you know? if you, whenever you fell off, you automatically would do cover your right. arms over your head so you wouldn't get boinked, you yeah. bang with the, with the oh, board. So yeah, we did that. And then we got the uh, molded plywood boat with a 33 horsepower, and that was pretty cool. And then I remember the first time I skied behind that, I was nervous because I'm like, oh, man, this is a big boat, big yeah. motor. <laughs> and then uh, that one that one ended up with a big hole in it. Dave? <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> that happened? I found a stump one night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one night. Yeah. Uh-oh. A lot of people have done that. Yeah. And yeah. Then, then we got the snazzy big boat. We got a Peterborough, a fiberglass boat with a mm. 95 horsepower. That and that was that was a pretty yeah. fast boat on the lake at the time. To go from thirty three to ninety five is yeah huge. That was pretty wow. pretty awesome. Yeah. So wow. we had that for a while. Now I have a big old a big old inboard. We call it the big canoe because it was bought used, and there was engine a lot of engine trouble the first year. So we paddled it more than we. <laughs> I think we yeah. So it's the big canoe. And we've named a few boats. And then my brother had a boat once that he found in the dump. Someone had shot it. And he came home and he patched up the bullet holes and put Volkswagen seats in it and put the 33 on it. Yep. And we called it the second chance. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
So, and then last year I bought a little Avon. It's a little, like a Zodiac, a little blow up boat. Yes. With a it's right here on under it. the table. It's right here under the table. Oh my God. Danielle <laughs> also, when we were here in the winter, she's like, oh yeah, our boat is under the, the table. table. Be careful. <laughs> like, yeah. What are you talking about? about? Well, it fold. It's, it's an 11 foot Zodiac style boat. Oh, it's definitely under the table. Yeah. So okay. I, I can't pull it out myself. I need someone here to help me. In this next audio clip, Diane goes on to speak a little bit more about her Key River Cottage on Georgian Bay. And the one thing nice about Key Harbor is my mom was one of six. So all her siblings and her got property. So mm. there's a now now we're into five generations. There's a lot of family up there. And you're so it was your mom's side that had the had the place the at Key Harbor. And my dad's side here. You're so lucky. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. With the year of the big fire, Perry Sound 33, that was right by our, that was right at Key Harbor. Oh. That was right where we were. Right. It, it was started at, it started at the, um, the wind, wind farm. farm. Oh. And then jumped the river and went in around behind us. We, at one point we thought we were going to lose everything, but luckily we did not. But I, I know when we were allowed back in, I walked back and there were some hot spots yeah. pretty close to us. Yeah. Anyway, I have a I have an annual kayak weekend for my girlfriends up at Key Harbor every year. Well, that year we couldn't have it, so I said, "Well, we'll go to my cottage in Dorset." And they're all like, "Well, we can't go to your cottage in Key River, so we'll go to the I one in Dorset. We'll just go to the other one. We'll just go to my other one." And they're like, "Yeah, it must be nice." <laughs> just wrapping up this episode, I asked Diane what her favorite part of being at the cottage was. Well, the one thing I just thought of, another thing that we love here yeah. is to sit out there and watch the sunsets. Yeah. You get some beautiful sunsets. Go down on the dock and look From out. the dock. Yeah. You probably have a million photos of the same view. And we used to get some really neat thunderstorms here. Oh, yeah. The lightning would hit the hydro wires and oh, you'd see them dance across the hydro wires across the lake. Oh, that's so cool. As kids, it was great because you'd be sleeping and you get those big storms that would roll in in August and the lightning would hit. And every light in the cottage would turn on, just, just momentarily. Just flicker on. Just flicker on. And we had the phone, and the phone would ring. Oh, my God. That would be, like, almost terrifying. And then really cool. it, it had been years since I'd seen the lightning hit. And then a few years ago, we were here. It was afternoon. We were getting ready for something. I was standing inside right by that back door, and my husband was standing outside, and he just reached forward and touched the door to come in as the lightning hit the power lines. Oh, my goodness. So there there was a, a snick, like a very loud yeah. noise. And then the light all around him as the lightning goes across the lines. And the look on his face, he had thought for sure he had just been struck by lightning. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> it's quite a loud, and I say snick, but it's it's a loud bang. Right. And then the light all at once. Yeah. And it's blinding almost. Yeah. And I, I couldn't help but laugh. Because you're like, oh, this reminds you. This reminds you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, he didn't think it was amusing at all. Like, he, probably thought he, was die. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> he he thought. <laughs> he thought he was going to die. It was. McKinley was here and I was telling him about, I don't know who, but someone passed away in that chair oh yeah i was telling him the story and as i was telling it was right after that phone rang and it's disconnected and he was like oh my god they're, <laughs> they're still here and so why did it ring 
And probably just the something to do with the hydro. It, it's still, it's still it, hooked up. It's, it's still it's, actually hooked up to the yeah. phone. Yeah. Right. So if you pick it up, you can hear static on it. We just don't have any service. Right. You could it. you could dial nine one one with it still. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. But so funny. That but rang. if you're under the age of thirty, you probably don't know how because it's a rotary phone. <laughs> <laughs> And when we were still using it, it was funny because sometimes kids would come down, like my older, like Mike, who is 42, and Alicia, their friends would come over. You know, you want to stay for supper? Sure, but you better phone your mom and tell her. So they'd get up on the chair and pick up the phone and just look at the the dial. And you'd see them sticking their fingers in the hole. (laughs) And they had no idea how to work a rotary phone. I, my grandma used to have a rotary phone, rotary phone mm-hmm. and she had she had like a regular one and then yeah. the rotary one like downstairs mm-hmm. in the basement in a corner and I always wanted to use the rotary one because I thought it was way more fun mm-hmm. but it's a lot easier to make a mistake yeah because you're like oh damn it let me try again <laughs> well it was it was great when we first got it because we were on a party line mm. so there was four there was four people on the same phone line yeah but you only had two rings and we shared with. Vicky. Vicky, the cooks. We were one long, one short. They were two longs. And I remember what Vicky Remember was, what it sounded like? It just rang like a phone, but it would be one regular wing right. and then just a short ring. Okay. But I remember when she was getting married, I I was young and I'm like, oh, I want to hear all about the plans. So when their phone would ring, I'd be like. Confidential <laughs> <laughs> interest. I did. Oh, so, and, and it was easy, easier to make a phone call. Now on a rotary phone, it would be like area code, the number. Oh, I'd forget the phone number halfway through. Well, for, for years when we first got the phones up here, you only had to dial the last, last four, four numbers. numbers. Really? Yeah. Cause all the numbers, like we were seven, six, six, two, six, six, nine. I can remember that. Don't ask me what I had for breakfast this right. morning, <laughs> but all the numbers up here, like I think Doug down the way was 2704. So I just had to dial that. And could the phone only dial this region? Is that why? No, no. We could dial anywhere. But if we wanted to dial someone whose phone number started with 766, the same as ours, you just had to do the last four numbers. numbers. I don't know. I don't know what I think. We said just about everything. Just how hard it is getting to keep family cottages in the family. Yeah, that's tough. It's You have to do financial planning to keep it. I know. And I find if you're going to own a cottage, do a little research. And especially if you're going to own a boat, because I find it's amazing how many people don't realize they should be at least 100 feet from shore if they're going to run their boat. And, you know, it just a boating license more seriously. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry to say, I don't think the boating license is a good judge of people knowing. I found when my parents first came here, they didn't have those laws and nobody really knew any better because yeah. I know when they wanted to build the dock to get stringers, they just went along the shore and cut trees down, which oh. you couldn't do now because someone would be mad because you cut their tree down. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure there's bylaws and yeah. do that anymore. And then they wanted to put a beach in, so they just had the guy with the bulldozer bulldoze a beach, so you don't do that now. <laughs> oh. But, you know, we've tried like out the front there, the, the lakefront, it was a lawn and I've let it go natural again. And I I go down once a year and I just trim the brush so we can see over top of it. So I, you know, if if you're going to be here, you really have to respect the environment, respect the environment yeah, and keep your septic maintained. Yes. 
totally agree with you. Yeah. So yeah. you you want this to last, and if it if you if you don't respect it, then it's going to get to the point where you won't be able to swim in the lake. And even now, I mean, when I was a kid, I never heard of a, an algae bloom. And now you hear of them every year, every once in a while. Watch out, watch yeah. out for here. Yeah. There, there's a, a bloom. So you just have to be have to be careful. Yeah, if we could spread more awareness of that, mm-hmm. that would be wonderful. Because I definitely agree yep. with you. Like, don't you, spread fertilizer on your lawn or eat next yeah. to the lake. Yeah. Well, the ecology here is just so sensitive and so beautiful. And yeah, like we have, we as people living here have to respect that as mm-hmm. well. Butterflies and insects and mm-hmm. things like they need the natural flowers, and you know, you can still have a beautiful landscape, like a natural, more rugged landscape. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you can even plant, um, like, natural species to the area, like, that's even something that's... Yeah, and they, they do that. I'm not sure if they still do it, but they used to have plant sales where they'd sell... We have that in the... Yeah. Where, in so the I would buy some and I'd plant them down by the lake to reinforce the shore. Yeah. And even when I did some work out here and I had to replant, I didn't use grass. I bought something called All Season Buffet. <sighs> And it's and it's just All clover and stuff, it. and it's just yeah. it shows a deer eating munching away. So. Yeah. And the other thing is be respectful of your neighbors. Yeah. And if you're going to have a loud party, make sure you invite everybody. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I just want to say thank you so much for well, speaking to me today. No problem. And- I obviously love your daughter, Danielle, and mm-hmm. they thank you to Danielle for introducing us. And it was so nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to be invited to your Key River Lodge. A big shout out and a big thanks to Diane, Danielle, and Dave for being so open to speaking to me about their cottage history and their amazing funny stories of their cottage. So thank you so much for being on the show today. If you would like to support this podcast, please follow along to patreon.com slash rewind design. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash rewind design. If you would like to support the podcast in other ways or share your own story, please send an email to katie, K-A-T-Y, at rewinddesign.ca. Or feel free to give me a call at 416-822-7489. Your donations help to run the podcast and costs associated with recording equipment and travel. 10% of all donations will be donated to the Georgian Bay Land Trust. Thank you so much. Your support means everything. (music) 